the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. How are you today? Anyhow, anyway, I don't care how you are. I was just asking because it's the polite thing to do. Kind of a crazy day yesterday. ISIS has claimed responsibility for attacking Manchester. 22 people have died and more than 59 injured after a suicide bomber targeted an Ariana Grande concert in Britain. Um... What do you say? These are young kids. What do you say? So, not much, right? It's in my world of investing, the tie there is just that you can't see that coming. And it's chaotic, it's loud, it's obnoxious, it's it's devastating. You see families destroyed. Kind of happens in a fast way. From out of nowhere. A couple days ago, people were going like, Hey, it's been a while since we've had a terrorist attack. This isn't the first. It won't be the last. One thing I can say is that the market will process it. Um, But holy mackerel. When you see it, you know, on the other side of the pond, way, way across the Atlantic, uh, you're like, nah, it's way, way across the Atlantic, but it'll hit here at some point. So, anyhow, um, I'll move forward. World markets climbed today, and again, that shows you that terrorism and some of the things that you think might upset the market, they're kind of priced in. 9-11 wasn't priced in. 9-11 was a kind of different ball of wax, so to speak. There's a bit of a pain trade at times in the stock market. 
uh, we're moving, we opened higher, but do we go lower? Terrorist bombing in England that's claimed lives of 20 innocent civilians. Washington Post article today discussing alleged efforts by President Trump to get intelligent officials to deny publicly any collusion between Trump campaign and Russian officials. So there's a Washington Post article discussing alleged efforts by Trump just to pull off some collusion. You might remember the Washington Post is the newspaper responsible for bringing Nixon down. Oil prices have softened after the administration's 2018 budget proposed selling $16.5 billion from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help cut the deficit. There's some resolve today in the face of terrorism, which, again, like I said, the financial markets kind of figure this out better than you can. And certainly, it is mind-numbingly stupid, mind-numbingly just painful. Some encouraging uh, reports out of the uh, PMI for May out of the Arizona provided some offsetting support this morning. The composite PMI reading of 56.8 for the Arizona remains near a six-year high. Germany's business climate index reading is 114. That's the highest since 1991. So the economies of the world are looking thumbs up. Now, sometimes economies are hot and stock markets are overvalued. Sometimes economies are slow and stock markets are undervalued. They don't always match up. Uh, Shares of Toll Brothers are higher today. They've reported better than expected results. Um, AutoZone shares are down almost 9% after the auto parts retailer was disappointing. I see that the Warriors advanced to the NBA Finals. Tough to watch those games because they're they don't feel close, right? I know, I know you're saying not tough for me to watch. Um, the Warriors have rattled off 12 straight wins. It's pretty impressive. Now, one thing that I'll say is, here's the financial perspective on that, if you're with me or against me. Um, The owners, they're not upset, but the owners can't be happy either that they have had no games um, five or seven to host. They make a lot of money. You make a lot of money when you host games five and seven. People get a little bit more drunk because there's a little bit more on the line. People buy a little bit more swag because they're trying to impress their friends. Uh, there's some things going on along those lines. So uh, keep in mind, the tickets are, you know, they boost the price of each round. So if tickets normally cost $200, first round might be 300 Second round might be 400 So they're, lo- they're leaving a lot of money on the table. I know, I know the owner is not going to come and say, the owner's not going to come to the players and say, hey, you need to lose a game or two. Uh, because obviously the world championship would sell a lot of jerseys in China and other parts of the world. So you kind of get where I'm going at with that. Oil rose to a month high without uh, with output cut extension expected. And then the United States said they're going to flood the market with $18 billion of oil to help pay down the deficit. Um, how do you feel about that? So I'm a little torn on that one.
Should we be worried that we're selling some of our strategic reserve? Or should we say, look, things are going pretty good right now. So we'll talk about this and much, much more as the show goes on. You can tell my voice is a little bit fried these days. So obviously I've been doing a little bit too much talking. How um, I've been waiting to say that. Thank you. New home sales came out today in the United States, and they fell much more than expected. Sales slumped 11.4%. Um, economists had forecast that sales of new single-family homes fell would fall 1.8%, so down 11.8%. That's a pretty big mess. Sales in March rose for a third straight month, lifting the pace at the start of the busy spring selling season. So this data just came out. Uh, most of the sales, however, were not made in the affordable end of the market, where homes cost um, less than 200000 There's demand from buyers. There's a shortage of affordable homes. That's keeping would-be shoppers out of the market. So that's what that's telling us. That is uh, shocking, as you would imagine. 800-516-1220. It's just people are holding on to their homes. So we're going to have to look at stocks a little bit differently if that continues to go. Um, the Trump budget comes out and uh, forecasts an era of growth not consistently seen since the dot-com era. So um, the Trump budget does massive cuts in a lot of our social programs. The U.S. economy is going to reach about 3% gross domestic product growth in the calendar year 2021 and will continue at that pace, so says Treasury Secretary Steve Munchen. So they're projecting out to 2021. Uh, if we get 3% growth for foreseeable future, you're talking about a stock market that's going to rock and roll. Combined with often imprudent regulations crafted in the midst of crisis, the engine of American prosperity is slowed. Uh, so says Moon Engine. I believe that a goal of 3% GDP or higher economic growth is achievable will make historic reforms both taxes and regulation. That's some pretty big talk. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm not a big fan of self-help gurus. Gurus. Um, I see like the Kevin O'Leary's now on CNBC and I'm like, are you kidding me? Just because he's on Shark Tank. Guy is so full of hot air. He starts an index fund at the point in time in the world where all index cuts, all index funds are cutting their fees. Uh, that's not exactly prudent. Um, I see Tony Robbins, and he makes me feel like a mouse crawled into my mouth, vomited, and then died, and then gets back up and defecates, and then dies, and it dies under my tongue and stays there for years. Ow! 
that's how Tony Robbins makes me feel. When I look at him, I see a big jack-o'-lantern head. Um, he's one of those guys that only you can create the life you deserve. If you need that kind of help, I find you on the sad side. But, hey, maybe you need a guru that's going to ask you for money to say that you're awesome. I'll do it for a beer. T- give me two beers, I'll tell you how really, really wonderful you are. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, another analyst out there today talking about Apple's super cycle. Investors should buy Apple shares because the premium-priced iPhone 8 will drive earnings above expectations next year. So says Credit Suisse. They're convinced the iPhone product cycle will be significant in terms of driving multi-year unit growth. Given this, as well as high retention rate, they see the eight, uh, iPhone 8 super cycle. It's going to unleash pent-up demand. Um, Apple has historically raised iPhone prices along with key updates. Given its affluent user base, a significant feature upgrade, limited price elasticity, as well as Samsung's higher pricing points of the Galaxy 8S S8, they think um, pricings of $677 for three tiers of new phones are going to be expected. Um... So another analyst out there saying, buy sooner than later. Um, the company shares are up 33% year-to-date. I own shares of Apple, and Apple's going out there trying to woo Android users. They launched a section of its website explaining to consumers who might own an Android device why they should switch to the iPhone. So if you go to apple.com forward slash switch, life is easier on the iPhone. Um, so they say. I think that's a little hokey, but they're taking a shot at the competition. Speaking of a little hokey, uh, uh, from Virginia Tech University, let's bring in Tony Mendez out of BayAreaLoanSource.com. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. What do we need to know? We're talking with Tony Mendez about owning a property in retirement. Yeah, it's definitely a very large topic, and it covers you know anybody getting into real estate, even the person who's buying a house today. Um, that can conceivably be a property that they turn into a rental. Um, they could be so. There's basically three categories of people that are buying properties today. They're, they buy a primary residence and they turn it into a rental. They buy primary residence and they continue buying. They stay in that property and then buy rent, other rental property. And then people who rent and then buy uh, investment properties, um, which is which. I think the third category of people who are renting and buying investment property is something that I think is picking up a little bit, especially here in the Bay Area where down payments are hard to reach, um, you know, that 20% mark on a $700,000 house, it's 140000 and they go, well, you know, I could probably buy a property somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, when you when you start looking about how old you are, uh, are you funding your 401K, are you self-employed, are you doing an IRA, um, what, what, a lot of people just got their Social Security statements saying how much money they're going to get every month. When they do retire, and they start factoring that in, and they and they consider does buying a real a, a, an investment property make sense, uh, you know, and eventually, uh, you know, you have to look at things as this as you buy this property and as it matures, uh, how much cash flow you're going to get going to be getting, is it going to be paid off by the time I retire? Can I continue into my retirement and let it pay itself off and then count on that extra money later, or, or do I need to refinance it, stretch it back out over 30 years for better cash flow? Do I need to sell the property and then take the cash? Because that's a really big consideration, Rob, where you and I talked about this four, five, six years ago, where I have a rental property, which you advised that I probably should have sold 
because it had a good equity in it, and that money would have worked better for me in the stock market than it would be in the property. Now, it's, of course, it's six, seven years later, and I have a little bit more equity in it. My, I, I have a shorter term. I, I paid off in eight years, which is well before my retirement. Um, but a, another property that I have, that won't be. So what do I do with that one? And, and you know, as you build this portfolio, you have to start – planning ahead and what you're going to do. But once you hit that retirement mark, uh, you know, some of the other options, 1031 exchange. Uh, one of the strategies that we've been uh, kind of exploring with more clients is uh, doing a 1031 exchange into a desirable property, maybe somewhere where you want to live. Some people say maybe Tahoe or Coeur d'Alene, Idaho or Hawaii. We've seen the last person we did was in Hawaii and they did a 1031 exchange with uh, a couple of their investment properties. But a lot of people don't know that they can take more than one property and 1031 it into a single property and they're going to rent it out for a year and then they're going to move into it and they don't pay the capital gains until they die or they move. Um, so there are some strategies that people use going reverse mortgages. Uh, so a lot of people are considering saying, you know what? We're living longer. We, we're staying in our house longer. We're working longer. How do we continue? Uh, and of course, the reasons why is because it's a little bit harder to keep those funds moving as you get older. Should we do a, a reverse mortgage instead of turning this house into a property? So, you know, instead of taking equity out of the house and buying another rental property. So you can see, Rob, it's quite complex, uh, you know, from the beginning person who starts with a property when they're 30 or somebody who's buying a new property when they're 50. Yeah, it is kind of complex. Isn't I mean, it? And it's a big topic. And you could keep going. We talked about this last night. It's just we could do shows and shows about it. Well, like your situation when you owned a home, and I was like, yeah, you might want to get rid of it. Owning a home, and you could have got rid of it. You could have put it in the market and done pretty well. Or you could have put it into a similar product on the West Coast because it was an East Coast property and maybe done better. Um, but, yeah, you missed a good opportunity in the stock market, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Um, not only that, I also missed out on the exemption. I lived in the property. Right. I missed out on the, the capital gains exemption, the two, year, two out of five years, uh, as well as I missed out on the higher price. So, yeah. But but now I look at it as that it, it is a property that's going to generate income going into retirement um, that's going to supplement any kind of distributions from my IRA slash uh, my my Social Security and any other incomes that I have from other properties. One thing I don't want people to do for income in retirement is own real estate that they have to manage unless they really, really know what they're doing. Um, I have a couple properties. I don't manage any of them. Um, I don't want to. I like professional management. I don't mind paying the fees. For me, convenience is nicer than making every possible dime possible. We talked about that category just briefly where somebody has a lot of equity in their house and they um, they cash out a little bit of that equity. They're sitting there over 50 and they want to buy an investment property. Are they are, Can they cash flow or, or are they going to get the cash flow that they need if they're using a property management company to, you know, that 10 to 15 percent that they're going to pay? Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me on Tuesday, as he usually does, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. My first stop every morning is to check out his page one column to see what he thinks about the markets, and then I start building my case around his case. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. So we're starting to get almost halfway through the year. Um, how do you feel? Where we are? what we've done, what we've accomplished. Yeah, well, I think, um, uh, you know, certainly for anyone who's who's a, a passive investor, you know, in the S&P 500 index, um, has to be feeling pretty good. Uh, you have the S&P 500 up, you know, 7% year-to-date, which is a, a fine return, you know, over a six-month period, uh, certainly very nice on an annualized basis. And so um, despite... A lot of noise out there on a number of items. Uh, I think that there's reason to be pleased by that performance. Um, but at the same time, as we move toward the second half of the year, I, I think that uh, uh, that the near-term risk for the market is elevated uh, as a lot of these um, uncertainties surrounding the political environment uh, start to really um, pick up uh, interest here. So let's talk a little bit about the politics that we're seeing out there. Um, it seems like the market had a kind of a, a free pass to go wild in November, December, January, February, and then the agenda started getting caught up, I guess, with reality. Um, how do you feel politics is going to play out this year and uh, going forward with the economy, potentially, um, and with the stock market? Well, I think uh, while there hasn't been a lot of uh, volatility, per se, in the stock market this year, notwithstanding uh, a little bit of excitement last week, uh, what has been volatile have been the political headlines. Um, Now, the stock market hasn't been all that responsive to it. It's tended to dismiss it more as noise. But but given the recent tenor of headlines and the potential threat to the tax reform initiative that's been – embraced by the stock market, uh, it, it, it could get more volatile in the second half of the year if it starts to um, come into focus that that tax reform effort uh, really won't come to fruition. Uh, you know, the reports out this morning, um, some political pundits suggesting that, you know, it's, it's highly unlikely that you'd get tax reform done by the end of the year. I think the market is still okay somewhat thinking that, but as we move into 2018, it's going to be there's going to be a sense of urgency to that getting done because then you start talking. Uh, amazingly enough, right? you start talking about the midterm elections in in 2018 and, and the potential that you know that there could be some upsets that upset the balance of power in Congress and therefore uh, makes it even more difficult to get that tax reform effort in. So, um, so my my impression of the market right now. Uh, is is simply that uh, it continues to be supported really by the by the expectation by this Trump put uh, that there will still get something done, uh, yet it can't really blast off to any great degree uh, on that notion because uh, it's facing some valuation constraints right now, and uh, and that it's you know in this 
very much kind of a wait and see type of mode, uh, which is why we have remained, you know, somewhat range bound since the beginning of March. Is everyone's waiting to see how this plays out and whether these stretch valuations can be uh, can be validated. I have a friend who last Tuesday or Wednesday, when the market took a tank as it looked like Trump impeachment were going to be two words put together. His wife basically said, sell everything until he gets impeached. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. There's some value in Europe. You know, there's some bond ideas. There's, you know, um, you know, managed portfolios where you go long and short. There's other things, but he was convinced, or his wife was convinced, so he did it. And um, what do you think about that kind of reaction of waiting for the shoe to fall? Well, um, you know, what we've seen over the last several days is that uh, it proved to be a mistake again, right? Because you, uh, you've seen this buy the dip trade, you know, come out uh, once again and, and pretty much recoup everything that was lost in, in Wednesday's sell-off. Now, my uh, my position would simply be that you um, maybe focus, uh, you know, less on some of that political noise and more on the, the idea on the matter of valuation right so you're trading well above historical averages right now right the SP 500 at about 17 and a half times forward 12 month earnings is is trading at about a 25 percent premium to its 10-year historical average now interest rates are much lower uh, obviously at the moment um, but I think against that understanding, uh, it, it takes it makes sense to take stock of your investment portfolio and perhaps pair uh, some positions in some of those areas that have made some really really strong moves. Because uh, you know, when I say that I think the near term risk is elevated, I th- I think that you got some of that sense of things last week because the uh, propensity. To sell when things look really dire uh, tends to pick up. You see the, the 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 level of losses, you know, escalate in a hurry. Whereas the ability of good news to move this market uh, does so in a more measured manner. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just, it's 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 to me it, it suggests that the market is aware that it's facing a valuation constraint right now, which is why it it doesn't go so far on good news. Uh, whereas on days where things look really bleak, like we, like a lot of people thought they did last Wednesday, um, there's a real, there can be a real quick tendency to to exit some positions, and you see some sizable losses. and And so, if you do start to get some traction, um, as far as the negativity surrounding uh, political developments is concerned, uh, you know, you, there. The, the market itself would be, be ripe for correction in that scenario. But, uh, but I think one has to take into account really the valuation constraint right now, um, regardless of what's happening in the political environment, and, and take stock of that as they assess uh, investment portfolios. Good stuff, good stuff. It's, uh, it's an interesting day because there was an act of terrorism over in London this morning or last evening. Uh, markets didn't react to it. Is that the world that we're living in at this point in time, that you almost need bigger explosions or or bigger news to get uh, the markets to deviate from the world expansion uh, story? 
Well, you know, you know it, it is, uh, frankly, and I think that, you know, we've seen several of these instances now, uh, including the terrorist incidents that occurred in France uh, last year, and, and, and now you have this sad episode in England. And, and um, But from the market's perspective, I mean, it's really going to boil down to does whatever terrorist act that has occurred isn't going to have a material economic impact, and uh, and if it can be deduced that it won't, uh, then the market will you know respectfully view the episode, but not um, not come unglued by it. So, I think that where you would potentially see more of a heightened reaction is that if you saw um, something of a similar nature take place within the United States, right, which has been um, you know. Thankfully, largely immune from 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 things, uh, you know, since 9/11. And uh, but if you get into a period where you start seeing, you know, suicide bombings in popular locales like like concerts and movie theaters and uh, and shopping malls and things like that, um, then it creates some concerns about you know a nesting effect you know, kicking in where people are a little bit more fearful about going out to public places and so it could create, you know, that short-term disruption. But but ultimately, the reaction in the stock market to a terrorist incident is going to be proportional to its understanding of what economic impact there might ultimately be from that actual terrorist incident. Is there anything that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that you want to make us aware of? Because I've kind of monopolized your time with my questions because uh, I'm trying to re- like the public per se, but anything that's uh, insightful that you're working on? Well, um, kicking around a few ideas here. Um, obviously, we've got the Memorial Day weekend um, uh, coming up here, and, and uh, history uh, tells me that um, stock market commentary is not all that. Uh, it's not like a, a beach read, if you will, <laughs> as Memorial Day kicks in. But uh, so some of the things I'm looking at, you know, is, is you know. Looking back, uh, perhaps at the first quarter reporting period, uh, earnings reporting period, which has been really, really good, um, and uh, and perhaps taking a look at that more in detail. Uh, also, perhaps looking at this notion of the the crowded trade of of the big tech companies, uh, you know, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, um, Amazon. I mean, those companies alone, those those five. Uh, it, if you carve them out from a market cap standpoint, they're basically about the seventh largest sector, <laughs> economic sector going. So it gives some um, perspective on just how large those companies have gotten and some of the potential risk, perhaps, uh, for investors who may not own them individually but who do own an index fund because if you own the index fund, you own those stocks. And if they're a crowded trade and things unwind in a hurry, even though you don't own them, you're still going to be hurt by that. So. Uh, perhaps lending a little bit perspective to uh, to that grouping in a in a big picture piece, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, sir. Have a very nice uh, day and a nice long Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate your efforts. Thanks, Rob. You too. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. I start my morning each and every day with his re- uh, writings. So check him out at Briefing.com.
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Spoke with Patrick O'Hare. Oil rose to a month high with output cut expected. The extension out of OPEC. Oil prices rose today. Growing confidence that top exporters are going to agree to supply curbs. Um, so oil around 50 feels pretty good for me. Uh, when oil starts to get you know, 60, 70, it starts to become a major tax on worldwide growth. When it starts to become down to 30, 40, it turns into a situation where uh, some of the countries that kind of need oil um, become problematically poor, or uh, that's their that's their business, so to speak. So April new home sales fall from a near nine and a half year high. New single family homes tumbled from a nine and a half year high in April. Uh, housing recovery likely remains intact because you have a very tightening labor market out there, i.e. people have jobs. The housing market continues to be supported by historically low mortgage rates with the 30-year fixed mortgage hovering around 4%. The White House 2018 budget proposal is out and slashes the social safety net. The budget's going to cut $1.7 trillion in spending over 10 years, but it's looking for a bigger $3.6 trillion over the next decade through steep cuts across most agencies and tough new restrictions to aid, uh, on aid for the poor. A dramatic rethinking of the role of government in the American economy. Uh, that's to say the least. The State Department, the Education Department, and the EPA could all see budget slashed. McDonald's is in the news today. Uh, some research has come out saying that traditional fast food has less oversupply than restaurant peers. High growth names may have more risk. So the companies that are growing the fastest, um, the new concept uh, restaurants, so to speak, like the Shake Shacks and the Five Guys and the Chipotle's, um, they may have the more risk, according to a report. Consumers are still spinning at restaurants, but spinning is being diluted across a growing base of competitors. Uh, there's oversupply in the perpetual problem of the industry. Ask any restaurant owner. Restaurant unit growth has outpaced population growth in four of the past five years, likely pressuring some store metrics. Total restaurant sales continue to grow at a healthy clip, about 4% alone in 2016. Other stories of note. Um, I like to look at the millennials as a potential investment opportunity. And some of the areas that I like with them are American Express, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase. When the economy grows and the millennials grow, their economic growth will go up and higher interest rates and big price to earnings discount the banks have had could switch. So I still like uh, very much so American Express, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase. In the world of technology, I still think um, it, it's the right place. I think you need to be careful just blindly going after Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Apple, because ultimately they're all going to face some sort of antitrust monopolistic practices down the road. So if you want to own one of those guys, also own something like an eBay or PayPal, which is a play on technology, but probably won't get into as much trouble as the big boys will just obviously get into because they have so much information um, about you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. A uh, question that came to me yesterday was, should I buy Ford? And I think there's reasons to buy and there's reasons not to buy. 
So their board has acted. That's typically a positive. Um, they've looked at investor sentiment. They've looked at the share price and said this isn't good. Uh, they had strong earnings in May. They beat expectations. Revenue move was actually pretty decent. Um, so 4%, that's a positive. Cost cutting is going to boost profitability in 2018. So those are some of the reasons to buy. But, you know, again, have we hit peak automobiles? A lot of people think that we have. Um, and they fired a good CEO, and that's got a lot of people a little on the freaked out side. U.S. auto boom tied to Ford um, could be history. Um, for seven years, the steadily expanding auto industry has helped drive the American economy forward. It's racked up billions in profits. It's paid workers hefty bonuses, who they throw into the economy, all while consumers flock to dealerships and drive sales to record heights. It's a boom. It's a boom cycle that President Trump has been counting on um, to add more jobs to the economy so he can take credit for them. Which is but a very good thing. Which is a very, very good thing. Sorry, Don, but automakers reported the fourth straight monthly retreat in sales of new cars and light trucks. Um, long stretch of decline since 2009 when the industry was embroiled in crisis and bankruptcies. So that slump underscores the view of many that auto sales have peaked and should trend downward. So I can see positives and I can see negatives. Um, one analyst is out there saying buy Apple uh, because iPhone 8 is in a super cycle. Um, I own shares of Apple. I'm not planning on selling anytime soon. Company shares are up 33% year to date. Um, investors should buy Apple shares, in my opinion, because the premium priced iPhone 8 will drive earnings above expectations next year. That's according to Credit Suisse. They reiterated their outperform rating on the stock. It's crazy because that stock is pushing towards a trillion dollar valuation. Um, and that's a lot. Um, Apple has set up part of their website to try to get switchers. Uh, to try to get people who might go to their website to find out information to take a look at. Um, and it's called apple.com forward slash switch. Um, I think that's cute. I'll tell you that I got the AirPods, and I wish I could give them to my friend, but he's got a Google phone, Android phone, so I can't. Delta's going to test drive a self-serve biometric scanner to check bags this summer. Um, it's just another way that the airline industry wants to put in scanners and robots and whatever they can, kiosks, so that you're doing the checking of the bag versus someone that they pay. Um, it should save some time. Facial scans will be performed on travelers checking bags at the self-serve kiosks. Those scan images will be then compared to the passport photos to determine whether or not they're allowed to check the bag. Um, interesting. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.